Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and websites, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. If you want to get to the heart of what your style is and how to express that in your home, then I'm excited to share some free resources with you. When you pre-order my new book, Style, The Art of Creating a Beautiful Home, before its worldwide release on July 5, you will get instant access to some free bonuses. First of all, you will go into the draw to win one of 10 places in the Styling Masterclass, valued at Australian $799. Secondly, you will get a free workbook on how to find your style, 
This is basically taking the ideas behind the book and helping you apply them to who you are. And finally, you will get instant access to three styling insider guides, including how to style step-by-step, walking you through how to style a space, a styling checklist, what you need to make sure you have in each space, and your essential styling toolkit, which includes the essentials I have in my home that help me always be ready to style my spaces. Just a reminder that these free bonuses are only available when you pre-order my new book, Style. All you have to do to claim your bonuses is go to nataliewalton.com forward slash style book and enter your receipt or order number from your bookseller and you will get instant access to the downloads and will automatically go into the draw for the giveaway. You will find all the T's and C's there too. So don't forget to go to nataliewalton.com forward slash stylebook and you will find out where you can pre-order the book and how to collect your bonuses. Hello everyone. I'm excited to share today's interview with Abby Mele, an editorial lifestyle and travel photographer. You may know her work for the features she shot for Country Style magazine or recognize her beautiful photography in the book Living Well by Design by Melissa Penfold. Abby captures stories, people and homes with a soft and simplistic imagery. She has a really beautiful way of capturing light and her story of taking the plunge to become a photographer is an inspiring one. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Abby, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited that we've finally been able to make this happen. I know that we sort of tried before pre-pandemic and all of those things. So I'm excited to chat with you today. First of all, can you just, for our listeners, to say a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do, just give yourself a basic introduction. Thanks, Natalie. And thank you so much for having me on here. It's, um, it's always a pleasure and yeah, lovely to finally be able to chat with you. Um, yes. Yeah, so my name's Abby Mele. I'm a photographer working mainly with, um, editorial lifestyle and when we used to be able to do it, travel, uh, photography. Um, and I've been doing that full time now for five years and yes, um, it's, it's something I've sort of fallen into in a roundabout way, um, but which I thoroughly love. It's, it's such a, a beautiful job to have. All right. Well, let, let's sort of, I guess, start at the beginning. So can you share a little bit about where you grew up, what kind of child you were? I always think it's interesting to see the threads that kind of go um, through our lives. And if there was any inkling of this might be the path that you were going down and also just a little bit about then what you went on to study maybe at school or your interest mm-hmm. then um, post-school. Can you share a little bit about your story? Yes. So um, I grew up both in Australia and the UK. So my father's British. And when I was about five or six, we moved back to the UK to live close to his mum. Uh, so we spent uh, quite a few years there. And I feel like that was a very um, formidable sort of years um for me uh my parents were very big into bringing us into the countryside every weekend though we lived in a town um every weekend we'd pack up a thermos and pick a basket we'd go out and explore the castles the moors um and my parents were very uh yeah 
bringing us into that situation than teaching us to see it. Uh, so we're always taught to sort of observe, to look. And this, of course, was also pre any mobile phone days. So it was literally us, the countryside, the books we'd bring along. Um, I read a lot as a child. Uh, my parents did a lot of photography, so they would always bring their cameras along on those trips and always encouraged us girls to, um, to take photos as well. So dad would hand us his camera um, and encourage us to, you know, take photos of what we saw. And um, I think my first camera I had was uh, this tiny little point and shoot my sister and I both had, which were film cameras in those days too. Um, I was probably at eight or nine and I loved it. And I still have photos uh, that I had took from those days. And I just brought them out the other day, actually, I was looking through some old files and yeah, there were photos of cottages and roses and gardens and yeah, English countryside. And I was like, oh, wow, nothing much has changed. <laughs> can, can, can I just ask you, so were your parents creative at all? I'm yes. just curious about their, you know, sort of encouraging you to sort of take the photos and bring a camera along. Yeah, so my father um, studied photojournalism in London um, and was very creative. Uh, he did a lot of art um, and he, yes, he wrote and painted and took photos, so very artistic and creative. My mother also was um, in her own right a photographer. She did a lot of photography of our family growing up, um, a lot of black and white photography as well, and yeah, with her own style and the way she's created the home that we were brought up into. Um, yeah, very creative. And she chose to stay home and, and be a mum to us girls um, growing up. So she didn't work during those years. Um, so she was very involved in, it, in our, our life and you know, childhood. So what about then when you, I guess, you know, you're in those teenage years and maybe starting to think about, you know, what you might do when you leave school. What were your inclinations then? Did you have any sense of what you wanted to do? Because sometimes it can be wildly different to where you end up. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so um, I continue to have my camera and take photos, but it, it felt like a job that was quite unattainable in terms of stability, um, finances, and freelancing. It, it just didn't feel feasible. So I studied um, business and finance and then I actually took a turn from that and went and worked with aged care. So I was working with dementia and Alzheimer clients, um, which I loved uh, supporting individual clients in their homes for quite a few years and um, just, uh, yeah, I guess creating a space for them in those, those very hard years for them and also their partners. Um, but it was quite an emotionally draining uh, job um, and, and I always had my camera on the side for that creative outlet that was more me, more freeing, more enjoyable. Um, it was probably around that time too that I jumped on Instagram pretty early. So I was probably a year or two after Instagram launched and I, from the beginning, didn't just take photos of my phone. I actually posted photos of my camera. So my feed from pretty early on was mainly uh, camera photos. And I guess that was my creative outlet. And I grew following quite quickly. I had a great engagement with brands and businesses. Um, and I could see that could go somewhere, but I never felt like it was time to take that leap. So um, I continued 
just, you know, juggling work, juggling creativity, but I got interest from a few magazines, from a few big brands. And um, it was at that point that I went overseas for six weeks with my sister and a friend. And going back to the UK after coming back, you know, um, to Australia after my childhood there, uh, there was such a connection and there was such an inspiration creatively that I came home and I was like, I have to go back and live there. Like, I have to actually spend longer there. It was just such an inspiring trip. Um, and so it was at that point I saw Marta Marie Fosberg advertise for an assistant while she worked on her cookbook. And it just, it just all fell into place. I just, um, I reached out to her. We had a few good chats and she hired me as her assistant. And the following year I went back over in April for eight months to work with her there. Um, and that's when everything kind of shifted. Um, and I, I did the eight months there, worked with her. It was, it was incredibly amazing, um, challenging as well. It was, it was very growing stretching experience, but it was such a beautiful one. And I felt so at home in the country and in the setting I was in, we were in this tiny little, um, hamlet in the countryside and we just walked everywhere and, and, um, went on day trips in the weekends, you know, around Europe. Um, and then I came home and I was like, I, I can't, I can't go back to the job I was in. I, I need to try and see if I can do this full time. Um, and yes, I moved down to the Highlands. I moved in with my sister who was here at the time. And I, uh, literally had like $500 in my bank account. And I was like, I have to make this work. And, um, and yeah, that was five years ago. Uh, so it was a very, a slow, steady journey from that point. Wow. That's amazing. So can you just share for those listeners that don't know, um, Marte Marie Fosberg, mm. um, what, what she does and, and I guess what you were doing as an assistant, because I often say to people that really assisting or, you know, trying to get some kind of mentor or mm. just putting yourself in the trenches, as it were, even if you're kind of like slipping things around, it's such a sharp learning curve, isn't it? Mm. It's such a great way to learn. I mean, certainly when I worked on magazines, we had, we would always have styling assistants and I've got people who were my assistant who have now gone on to kind of create amazing careers for themselves. Yes. And, you know, even if it's one day, I mean, I sort of had, when I was thinking about becoming a stylist, I did um, some assisting for Marie Nichols, who was doing lots of styling at Real Living at the time, and mm. now she's back in the UK. And, you know, it's just everyone's got a different way of working, and I think you kind of cherry-pick what works for you. Mm. But were you assisting in a photographic sense or more in relation to her food? No. So um, I was assisting in sort of day-to-day -day running of her freelancing business. So for me that was an incredible opportunity to see a successful woman running her own business um, and then writing a book at the same time. And so I would uh, respond, respond to her emails. I would be in touch with clients, um, workshop participants. Um, I recipe tested all the recipes in the book multiple times. Um, I would be in charge of the shopping, the upkeep. Um, we hosted a few workshops while I was there. So I was assisting her with all the you know, logistics of those aspects. So it was a, 
it was an amazing um, opportunity to see that side and to be really immersed in it without it being my responsibility. Um, and Marie uh, is an incredible photographer. She's she was my inspiration from like the first um, one of the first people I followed on Instagram, and her work is and her captures of light and dark and um, English countryside and European cities is just stunning. And so working alongside her, watching her shoot and then also run the business um, was a great way of seeing how it worked because. I guess up to that point, I was self-taught. I didn't study photography. I didn't study, you know, business in that sense. Um, so it was something that was an opportunity to see how, how, yeah, you run it. And it's not, it's not all roses and sunshine. Like it, it looks like on Instagram, um, everyone's life has got underneath the currents that are the true life, you know, hard, hard work and um seeing that and being part of that was was amazing and i'm really thankful for that experience because it taught me so much and and allowed me then to come home and start my own business with a bit more of that understanding of of this is going to be really really hard but it's going to be good as well yeah that would have been such an incredible insight into like you say behind the scenes behind Mm. the curtain of you know, running a business as a creative and, and all that that entails, because as you say, you know, it's not just pretty pictures or, you know, delicious looking recipes or or whatever it may be, but you know, there's a lot of that goes on to make that happen. So, Mm -hmm. okay. You came back then to Australia, decided, okay, I've got to make this happen. Mm -hmm. So then what was your, your strategy or approach? Because I think lots of people have, particularly with photography, I think photography is one of those professions that, you know, most people can kind of, I mean, certainly now, like you can pick up an iPhone and you can take a photo and, and I think just through Instagram, you know, so many people have become more conscious of what makes a good photo and maybe have aspirations, but to actually make it happen is Mm. something completely different. So then what was your strategy and approach to making it happen? So, um, I did a lot of like hustling. I, when I moved to this area, I wasn't familiar with it myself. So just, I, I initially, I uh, worked in a little um, garden sort of creative space. Um, and that was great to get some contacts, but I also followed a lot of interesting little businesses here. I would reach out to them. I emailed them. Hi, I'm, I'm new here. I'm a photographer. If you need new content, um, some got back to me some didn't um but it was a lot of making things work like uh, making things happen rather um it wasn't just waiting for things to fall into my plate um I did have to sort of I guess create opportunities whether that was working for free for someone to get content and a portfolio's images that I knew I wanted to work more of so I'd always try and look for jobs that I felt like related to me and my style and then show that quite a lot on Instagram because Instagram I found was my greatest tool in getting work. Um, It was also at that point um, that I started working more with country style magazines. So just before I went to the UK, uh, Victoria Kerry, who was the editor of it back then, reached out to me through Instagram and asked to meet. And that was that would have to be one of the most, you know, the, those moments in your career, just like, 
oh wow you know victoria carey wrote to me and um you know the, the country style magazine was a magazine i loved for forever and victoria carey was such an inspiration um and having her reach out having noticed my work um she commissioned me a story which was actually to shoot my um brother-in-law and sister's business and i did that like within a month of coming back from the uk and um that was my first published feature ever in a magazine and it was just so special to work on that with her and with my sister and her, her husband and then they also commissioned me to write and share imagery of my time in the UK, which was also really special. Um, and I guess showing and and proving to Victoria that I could work in that area, like she took a lot of trust, um, put a lot of faith in me because I wasn't experienced. I, you know, I didn't even know how to send the images to the magazine at that point. It was like, well, what setting, what format, how large do you need them? I was so naive. I didn't, hadn't worked at all with publishing. So it was a lot of um, asking for, I guess, advice from her and others um, and, and, and faking it till I made it, like literally just going in blind situations. Um, and, you know, I would be like, I'm happy to do shoots. I'm happy to do features. And she, um, a few months after I moved here, she sent me on a travel um, shoot and assignment for about three, four days down the coast. And I took my sister with me and we shot about uh, probably about four different stories. And I, I just came away from that and it was such a, creatively inspiring few days and I was just like this is what I, I want to do this is what I loved and um and I realized that I had to I guess those shoots I worked really really hard to make sure I overdid the shoot just to prove that I could do it um but the first year was the first year and a half were, were really hard. It was very quiet. It was very slow. My sister paid my rent quite a few times. It was just, uh, it was, I guess, a very um, gradual um, increase of uh, exposure and opportunities. So I don't think many people see that and people see the, the result of me now having a lot more, I guess, um, stability with my work and my freelance but the first two years it was not like that at all it was it was hanging on going I know this can work yeah I want to make this work so I'm going to try as much as I can to do that and of course magazines generally are published monthly so you might get one feature and while it can sometimes seem like wow that's you know a nice little payment for that particular job mm. but that job has got to last you either yes. a month or you've got to get other clients or other work mm. so i'm i'm curious as to how your your style has evolved over mm. the years and also as you mentioned, I mean, you've done the travel and you've done, you know, interiors and, and different homes. Is there one that you feel like you have your heart in it? Just, it's just like, has that other special place in your heart a little bit more than the others? Um, cause obviously, you know, as you say, like, you know, you love taking photos of, of nature and flowers and, and things like that, but as well, like when it comes to clients, you know, sometimes it needs to be maybe interiors or you know mm. product or, or whatever can you share I guess first of all about how your style has developed and then 
the different types of photography and what you've chosen to pursue or what you've had to lean more into or what helps you sustain a career? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so style is, uh, I guess it was something I told myself from the start that I had to, to not look at others. So for quite a few years, I didn't like people would be like, who are you inspired? Who do you love? And, and yes, I could name a few people, but I also almost deliberately didn't follow a lot of photographers because I felt like I was just comparing my work to theirs and, and not in a healthy, good way. Like it wasn't like I'm inspired by you. That's amazing. It was like, how can I work and create that image? Like she is, or he is. Um, and I feel like the time in England with Marie was definitely a space where I could, I wasn't shooting for anyone but myself. So uh, I could follow Marie around all these incredible places and have opportunities to, to photograph them just for myself. And um, I feel like at that point I was just shooting for the love of it and I created this style and this sense of what I love to shoot and how I love to shoot it. Um, it was also at that point that I started editing consistently with the same um, preset or filter, you know, what people want to, to describe it as. And um, I created from a few different presets my own preset on Lightroom and I, I'm still using that to this day now and I use only that preset. And I think that's really been a real key part, part of creating that style to my editing process and also to how my images appear. So there's a consistency across my Instagram feed and has been for quite a few years now because I'm shooting the same way, I'm editing the same way. And I feel like that's been really helpful for both the client and myself. Um, but it was, it was, um, it wasn't something that I just fell into and it just all came naturally to me, but I think there is a sense to when you're shooting and you're not shooting with a client behind you, you can see how you shoot and what you'd love to shoot. And that's the key part of trying to maintain that when you are shooting, even with other clients. Um, and I'm thankful I'm at a point now where I have clients come to me and they say, we love your work, shoot in your style. If I have a client come to me and they go, we want something completely different or an opposite to how you shoot. I kind of generally go, do you feel like we're the right fit then? Because, it, you know, you want to be able to, I work best shooting how I shoot. Um, and if someone's telling me to completely change that around, it can be, yes, good and challenging, but it can also be, um, yeah, it can take some of that natural beauty out of it that you give when you, you're doing it in your own style. Um, so I wonder if, um, you know, are there any times where you kind of think, well, I just want to do something completely different. I mean, like you say, you've been, you know, you've had this particular style and aesthetic and the way that you process your images in a particular way. Do you ever sort of want to go, I just want to do something very different. Is that ever there? Yes. And I, I do love to challenge myself. Like often if I'm traveling myself on holidays or internationally, I will shoot, um, and edit slightly differently just because I can. And I think that those opportunities, are, are, they're great. And they're also necessary to give to ourselves as creatives to do something that, yeah, is not the norm. Um, 
And I think being open to opportunities to work in different areas. So uh, a few years ago, I started working with the cattle station in Outback Queensland, and it was it's completely something that's not not my normal client, my normal shoot. So you know, flying in on a station plane and going up in helicopters and shooting from the sky, and you know, in the dust in the in the millions of acres with yeah, thousands of cattle. And I sort of went there going, I have no idea what my style is right now. Like this is not a house. This is not a static space. It's, it's not a, a beautiful space. It's, it's dust. It's, it's 40 degree heat. It's, it's, um, it's sun. And, and yet it's become a client and a job that I absolutely love because it's stretching me in so many different areas. And, and the imagery I create is so different. And yet there's also, I can see my style coming through even in that situation. And, um, and though it's the, the days are incredibly challenging and so different, um, it's actually, it's one of my favorite shoots that I love um, that is so extremely different to everything else I do. Um, and I think that's because it's it's pulling me into areas that I don't normally work into, and and give me an opportunity to to do something different. I always think that when we're kind of stretched in those ways, that's actually when we grow as a creative. Mm-hmm. And we're sort of pushed out of our comfort zone because it can be very comfortable there in our sort of what's familiar and what's safe. But when Mm. we push ourselves, it, yeah, I just think, and it can show up in ways we don't even realize necessarily at the time, but it's all kind of part of our growth and yeah, really important. Mm. Um, Yeah. Sorry. And so I just wanted to ask you, I mean, obviously we're talking about your personal style, but you also I presume you will be styling spaces as well when you're working with clients. How, how have you found that? And what's your kind of your approach with that? Yes. So that's sort of fallen into the shoots the last few years. And I would not call myself a stylist by any means, but I do find, I do walk into spaces now and quite quickly see areas that need to be shifted and moved. I, um, I feel like with my photography too, it's, it's a lot about intuition and just seeing a space and feeling how it should be photographed or, or, or moved and styled. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something I, I hesitate to sort of say that I do, but I do tend to do quite a bit of styling when we're on a, a shoot, especially if it's homes, whether it's just moving pillows around or, you know, arranging flowers and and books and you know, bedside table settings but um it's it's something i i don't feel like i'm i'm um i guess i, I don't give, put it in my job description by any means <laughs> i i think though that many photographers certainly the best photographers that i work with they actually have a very strong sense of position like the way that objects should be should be positioned and Mm. the relationship between objects within a space and I think Mm. they really correspond and just like when I think it kind of works the other way I often sort of say to my students that you know to see a space sometimes it's actually really helpful to just see it through the viewfinder of Mm. your phone or a camera because it really helps you focus on that and not kind of get distracted with everything else but you can kind of really then focus on okay well 
what's in the image? How does everything relate to each other? And, you know, what should you change? Where's the energy? Where's the movement? All of those things. Mm. So I think they're definitely all, all key elements. All right. Now I want to ask you about the technical side of photography a little bit, because photography is one of those things that it's one thing to have an eye and to have a style and have an appreciation for light, natural light, but there's a lot of technical components that go on in photography. And if I'm being really honest, that's the bit that scares me about using a manual camera. I just, I've kind of taken lessons a little bit over the years and I've tried and I I just, I haven't gotten that rhythm with it. Mm. Can you share how you feel about the technical side of photography and what has helped you to, to learn and, and develop that side of your practice? Oh, I feel like I'm probably the last person to ask because I'm not a technical photographer. Uh, Being self-taught, I guess it's something that I use and yes, I definitely, the technical side of photography is important. Um, but I'm also, I guess when I'm shooting, I'm adjusting the shutter and I'm adjusting, um, especially the aperture, like aperture I find is that one key element that is, is the central to my work. So, um, once the ISO is in place and the shutter is just, you know, shifted as you shoot, but the aperture is that key thing that makes such a difference in the image for me. Um, but I feel quite, I guess that's the one part of photography maybe that I feel a bit insecure about because I don't, I I've never been taught photography. I just sort of, learnt it myself and so I've that's um, one element maybe I've been like maybe I should have done photography school maybe I should have done a degree in photography to learn that technical side and to understand it better um but I feel like I learn aspects when I need them um but I also know my camera pretty well by now to understand how I need to work it to create the image I want um so yes probably doesn't answer your question (laughs) no it it makes it certainly makes me feel a whole lot better because i'm thinking well if you feel like that that's not your you know your specialty your forte Mm. and you still create these beautiful images and there's hope for me yet (laughs) (laughs) definitely oh no yes um and and to be honest as well i mean i know of photographers who are technically you know they've got a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise in that but they don't have that flair or they don't have that, I don't know, there's something lacking in terms of what they're shooting or there's, you know, it, it, it's yeah. so complex photography in terms of like you really, when you're trying to capture a space or a scene or something within the mm. lens, you know, it's about kind of capturing a moment or, yeah, what, can you just share a little bit about that in terms of like what are you trying to capture when you're when you're capturing something? And it can be anything. It can be a landscape. It can be mm. an interior. Is there something within it that you always feel like that's what brings it to life? Yes. Yeah, so I think for me it's it's capturing either the movement or the feeling of the space or the setting. Um, I, I, as much as I have to work on sets and shoots at times that have to be really structured and especially for editorial work, very structured, very, um, technical, I guess, in a way, um, the best images and the best shoots for me is when there's a bit of freedom to move things around, to soften the image, to, 
to allow the space to, I guess, relax. Um, so when I walk into a room, if I'm shooting interiors, um, I'm always, you know, roughly in the bed. I'm always, you know, trying to create a sense that the room's just been left by someone and you're walking in and seeing it. Um, I shoot, I, I shoot straight, but I also shoot a lot of angles because I feel like when you seen something or seen a room, you're not staring it straight on, you're seeing it at an angle, you're, you're walking around a chair or you're moving with it. And for me, I like to create an image that someone feels like they could just step into um, or relate to. And I feel like I don't like to pose things. I like things to be quite natural. Even when I'm shooting portraits and, and people for images, um, it's I, I don't like to to make it too staged. Um, and I don't know how that's done sometimes. I just I just come into a, a setting and I'm like, no, this has to be moved. I don't know what it is, but something's off here. It has to be softened. It has to be gentle. Um, and that's also working with light um, and and working with people. So making sure you're not just coming into a setting and going, okay, we have to get the shot done now. Like giving your relationship to the client also space to, to grow and to develop and, you know, have um, a bit more relaxed time with them rather than just going, we need to get this photo done right now. Um, when they're not, when, yeah, 99% of the people that I work with are always like, I hate my photo taken. This is horrible. I don't like it at all. So yeah, you need to wait for them to warm up a little. Yeah. We, cause I've worked a lot with photographer Chris Warns with my books mm. and I mean, all the time <laughs> people yeah. would say, I hate having take my photo taken. And we say, everybody says that everybody Everyone. feels that way. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I hate it too, but mm. <laughs> just the more you relax into it, then yeah, the easier it is. So mm. just while we're still a little bit on the technical side of things, can you share what camera you use, what lens you use? Um, I mean, you've mentioned Lightroom. Do you sell your presets as well? No, I don't. So it's the question I get asked every week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's something I've I've sort of kept a little little bit secret and a little bit me Uh, for now. um, I feel like it's quite central to my work and who I am and my style. So I I like to keep it my own. Fair enough. Um, Yes. So right now I'm shooting with Canon. So I'm in the middle of making a transition uh, to either a higher level model or a mirrorless. So it's something that's it's happening this year, but I'm just still trying to work out which one. Um, Sorry, and- can I just interrupt there? So yes. can you, because when you say mirrorless, my son, you know, of all things, I'm get, now getting to the point where my son's teaching me things. He was saying a friend of his had got a mirrorless camera. Can you explain what that is and why would you want to do that? What's the benefits of it? So I'm, I'm not completely sure myself. I'm still learning and I'm going to be hiring a few different models to, to experiment and see and not being a technical photographer. It's something that I need to research more to understand better. Um, there is but that's a, a great lot- idea though, like mm. to hire different cameras and there's lots of definitely. photography, higher places, a really, really good yes. suggestion actually. Yes. So I would definitely suggest hiring just for a week or a few days, whatever suits. Um, and if you can hire them both at the same time, so you can work, you know, shoot by shoot and, you know, um, 
lens is so I I work and love my 50 mil lens probably the most it's my favorite um and I shoot with it every every shoot and every job I use um and for me it's a softness of the aperture that I can get right down to 1.2 and um create that soft feel which works for some images and some not um and then I, I shoot quite a bit with 35 mil and an 85 mil. So those are the three, if you want to know lenses, those are the three lenses I'm using. Um, I edit with Lightroom. I don't use Photoshop um, at this stage. I like to try and capture images to the point where I don't have to Photoshop them too much. And because I'm not, I guess, an architectural photographer either I'm not needing to photoshop a lot of elements out of my images um but Lightroom is amazing and that has allowed me to you know edit the photos the, to the way I need and want um yeah so I I travel quite light I travel I try and um I guess just as I like to shoot quite soft light images I like to travel quite lightly with my cameras and um and i sometimes rock up to shoots and people like let me help you grab all your gear and i'm like no this is me this is it (laughs) so um i use tripods especially for editorial work but for other aspects i love to shoot just freehand and um and try to i feel like i move better with it and i'm approaching a set and a scene and moving with it rather than with a static tripod setup, um, which can give a bit more of a stiff image at times. Um, but that's just me, my personal take. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, and so, okay, well, let's talk about Instagram now, because as you mentioned, mm. that has been a key part of your success in terms of getting clients, people having a really clear understanding of your style, which I think is really important mm. because then there's not a lot of time wasting. Like people either love it or it's, it's for mm. them or maybe it's not for them, which is fine. You know, there's, you know, no judgment mm. either way. You're better off working with someone who really appreciates and really is excited to work with you. Can you share a little bit about the way that you approach Instagram in terms of the types of images that you choose to share? Um, because this, you don't just share it's not just a work portfolio, is it? I mean, you share other things from, you know, sort of behind the scenes, but also your life a little bit. And, and also I think one of the biggest things that people struggle with is what to write in the captions Mm. (laughs) and, um, and just any kind of planning, like, do you plan your grid out a little bit in advance? Do you use Mm. any of the apps to help you with that? Can you share just a little bit about how you use Instagram? Yes. So Instagram definitely has been an amazing tool. Um, it's, it's the one thing I've focused on the most the last few or the last five years. Um, and even before that, so my poor website has been very sadly neglected, but it's getting a rebrand this, this year. Um, but Instagram has been great. I feel like it's changed a lot the last few years, but initially it was a tool that people could either seek a photographer or follow you for your style and your your way of um interacting and yeah engaging um for me it has been quite professional from the start it was always my public space i always knew it was somewhere that i wanted people to see my work and to to engage me as a photographer from but um 
till I came back from the UK, I guess a lot of people saw my feed and just saw me as an influencer. So people would be like, oh, we'll send you product for free. And, you know, you're an influencer, you've got the following. So therefore that's who you are. And I had to make a real conscious, um, I guess, not decision, but I had to really consciously educate my clients and my followers that I was a photographer, not an influencer. So when I came back from the UK, um, I, I needed to be paid for my photography, not just be sent free product. So, um, in that space and that time, I started really just sharing what I was shooting, who I was shooting for, uh, the posts I post are mainly work related. There are some personal ones scattered in like personal travels or personal you know moments um but i do tend to feel like it is a bit more of just a professional feed um it's and yeah it it does um it is it does feel like another part of the job at times like it is a big effort to stay on top um i find stories people love stories and so i share a lot more on stories and behind the scenes and little moments so they don't share on my feed um and at times it's felt like a burden because I need to stay on top I need to engage I need to work with it um but I never complain because it has been an amazing opportunity you know to engage with people and to get some amazing clients as well um I tend to have about five to ten images lined up that I know can fit into my feed um, that I'd like to share, whether that's shoots or personal things. Um, I don't use apps or scheduling apps because I find that hinders engagement um, when you when you schedule. Um, so I tend to try and share on stories every day, every few days, and post maybe lately it's been one to three times a week. <laughs> that varies. <laughs> And, and what about when it comes to sort of writing the captions? How do you find that? Um, I feel like I have a bit of a style in the way I caption. Um, I like to write and I tend to write a lot for myself and personally, but I don't tend to share much on that Instagram because it's, I feel like it's a professional sort of space for me. Um, but I guess I just like to try and share how I was feeling when I was shooting those, that shoot or what that shoot meant to me or what that, that moment meant to me. But, um, it, it does take time. It, it's a like conscious, okay, I should sit down now and write some words for Instagram rather than I'm just going to post this photo and here's a few lines. It, it actually is a conscious decision to, to make that happen. Yeah, I I feel, I mean, I've been on Instagram for, I don't know, it feels like forever. <laughs> yes. But it just feels so challenging these days that like everything has to be meaningful or, you know, because sometimes like I have, you know, something and I feel like, oh, look, at that looks really beautiful. But you just can't, I feel like you can't even just say that anymore. Like it's sort mm. of, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's, it'd be really interesting to see what happens with Instagram, oh. I think, over the next year or two, because I feel that people are very fatigued in general, just because mm. the way that they've created the algorithm, it feels like they're kind of making people jump through hoops that you have to be on stories and you have to be doing this and, you know, all of these things. And I don't know, like, I think they're, 
almost shooting themselves in the foot a little bit and taking the joy out of it, which was, you know, why so many people joined in the first place. So Mm. yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll see. That's a little bit of a a tangent, but, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to also ask you about workshops because I know that you have done some in the past and obviously, um, with Marie, that was one of the things that you were involved with. What, why do you do them and what have you learned about doing them? What do you enjoy about doing them? Can you just sort of share a little bit of an insight into that? Um, yes. So I do tend to get asked that a lot too for workshops. Um, and the last few years when I've done them, they were just, I guess the first year of COVID, I think we did two when we were all out for a little stage. Um, and what I love about them is I guess, being able to engage face-to-face with people. Like so, so often I'm, I'm engaging and talking to people through Instagram and through messengers and, but you're not seeing that face-to-face interaction. And for me, I guess the way I share and teach photography is very much visual rather than, you know, as we said, technical. So, um, for me, it's a chance to, to talk to people, to hear for their stories, to share what I love, uh, and um, it is something like um, I worked with Georgia from Chelsea Gardens at the beautiful Bunya house um, and having a space and then having a stylist and working together to share um, was just a, yeah, it was just a beautiful opportunity, I guess, to engage with people. Um, but it is also a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of organisation. And so we did those two and they were really successful and, and beautiful days. Um, but I haven't planned any for this year because also COVID it's just been hard. Um, but I do get asked a fair bit. So I guess it's finding the right space. It's finding another person to work on the team with you. Um, so that it's not just yourself. Um, I also did, I taught at the workshop with Flo, um, in her chateau in France before COVID happened. And that was an incredible, beautiful workshop. It was five days, you know, about six teachers, I believe, uh, you know, in France. And that definitely is something I would, I'd love to do more workshops internationally in a way. I feel like when I leave Australia and I go, especially to Europe, um, and you're engaging in a, an amazing setting, um, you know, and with different creative inspirations I find that that's something that definitely um it speaks a lot to me and I love to do yeah I think I was remembering that one that you were involved with and I remember at the time thinking oh, I want to go to this mm. it sounds so amazing and I guess that's one of the, the great things about being a photographer is that like you can just take your camera with you and you can teach a workshop or <clears throat> excuse yeah. me be involved in one anywhere in the world whereas I mean, I've been thinking about this for my book and, you know, even on my walk this morning to my husband, I was saying like, oh, you know, I've, I would love to do some workshops overseas, but then, you know, all the sort of doubts and the fears come to my mind because with styling, it's, you know, you've got to be able to source the things and get yes. all that, you know, and know where to go. And it's, it's kind of a slightly different kind of mm-hmm. setup. And um, so I think, yeah, for photo- photography, it certainly suits mm-hmm. being able to do workshops. So yeah, I hopefully, you know, in this hopefully post-COVID world, um, yes. then, you know, maybe more of that can happen. 
Now, before we get onto the last kind of rapid fire questions, I also want to just get a bit of a sense of how you structure your days, your weeks, your projects. Mm. How often are you shooting versus sort of editing? You know, what's a, what's a kind of, I know that with photography, it varies a lot, but can you give us a bit of a sense of like your, your average day or week? Mm. Can you just share a bit of an insight into the photographer's life? Yes. So, um, I feel like I'm at a stage where I know what works well and I try and stick to that. So I tend to, um, sort of group my shoots together if I can, if they're local shoots, I'll do a few in one day. If, um, they're big day shoots or multiple day shoots, I'll try and do them with a few others the same week. And then I block out the week after to edit. And I feel like that works well for me because, um, I mean, a role when I'm on a shoot and you're, you're going out every day and you've got your cameras and you've got your, you know, you're charging and you're editing on the go, but then I can come home and really get stuck into the um, editing cave, which has its benefits. Um, I feel like I used to like shoot maybe two, three times a week and edit the days in between and that worked, but I feel like I work better if I know I've got a block of four days and then I can structure out my deadlines and who needs to be edited first. And, you know, and I feel like that's, that's just been working best for me. Um, so on a normal day, if I'm shooting locally or if I'm in the editing week, um, you know, I, I get up, I get up early. I like to walk. I like to do a Pilates session. I am, um, I come back and I'm often at my desk at eight, eight thirty, and then, um, either editing for quite a few hours, um, or, um, then sort of breaking. And I like to take my laptop and I go and sit at my favorite cafe and I run through all my emails and my admin. And I, for me, it's just changing it up, like editing at home because that's where my big, you know, desktop monitor is. And then emails, admin, maybe out in a cafe. Um, because freelancing can be really lonely. And I love interacting with people and working with people, but then there will be days where I'm home alone editing for hours by myself. And so just even getting out, seeing a cafe, having a hum around me, it, it just brings me back into that zone better than just sitting at home doing it. Um, it's, I'm at a point and I'm thankful I'm at a point now that I can structure my months um, to allow space to shoot and edit. And when I was first starting out, I would take on every job I could just because, you know, it was a job. Um, whereas now that I'm booking months in advance, I can sort of see, you know, how many more shoots I need to lock in that month or how many I have to try and push into the next month. Um, and I am slowly getting better at being wise with my time management. But my sister, who I still live with, it, she's always like, Abby, you have to say no to jobs. You have to push them to the next month because I tend to go, oh, it's such a great job and they have to do it this month. So let's just push it in. And she's like, you're making it too busy. Um, but I guess that's those, those jobs that I squeeze in are jobs that I really love or I want to be part of. And so when I'm doing them, I'm like, well, I know it's, causing a lot more late night editing or extra busy days, but, um, it's something I love to do. So I feel like for me too, uh, being single and not having you know a partner or dependence, it's a different lifestyle to others. And so I have got the flexibility to 
drop things and jump on a plane, go and shoot next week somewhere if I needed to, um, which has got its benefits. But uh, it also means that sometimes I find it harder to slow down and stop because I don't have something stopping me, I guess. So pros and cons. Yeah. Well, I say, you know, certainly, you know, while you you know, sort of um, don't have, yeah, the sort of restrictions potentially of like family or, or whatever. I mean, I'm like, go for it, do it. <laughs> Someone yes. who's got four children and a husband and all the things. It's like, mm. yeah, like, oh, yes, I remember those times. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> and I actually, I just wanted to um, ask you one more thing. Now, mm. you worked on a book, didn't you, with mm. Melissa Penfold? Yes. Can you share a little bit about that experience, how it came about and yeah, what it was like? And was yes. that your first book? Yes. So first I've, I've had photos in books before, but this was the first time I was a principal photographer. Um, Melissa Penfold uh, was another woman who took faith and trust in me from when I first moved to the Highlands. And um, we worked a lot the first few years together on shoots for her, just for her social media, her content. Uh, she's an amazing stylist and her home was beautiful. And, um, and then she was approached by Vendome Publishing in New York to do this book. And she pitched my name as a photographer, which was really exciting. And because of COVID, we weren't able to do the international shoots. So they were done by other people, but I did all the uh, strange shoots for the book. And yeah, it was such an amazing experience to work with her we would go into a space and she would style it. I would shoot it. We'd send it off to the publisher, make sure it fitted with their brief. And, um, and yeah, just something very special to work on together. Um, it's a beautiful book. It's really special. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was an amazing highlight to do that, especially through the COVID years. Um, and then to see it all come together in print this year or no, last year, uh, late last year. All right. I've got, I promise this is really, these are the last question. <laughs> Sorry, before we get into the rapid fire. Um, so what about though, obviously, you know, navigating this COVID period as a photographer who, like you say, you know, you've sort of had to do travel and how have you managed to kind of keep your, your business running as it were, you know, your freelance work and, and can you sense a shift now? Do you feel like it's changing and, yeah. And do you sort of have, I know you've sort of not so long ago went to New York, you know, are you sort of planning more, more trips internationally or how are you seeing it all pan out? Yeah. So, um, the first lockdown, I think it was two months that I was not working. And then as soon as the easing restrictions happened, work was almost multiplied, like the COVID year, I squeezed in more work within around the lockdowns and restrictions than I had the previous year. So it didn't affect, it did affect me for two months, but then it didn't like I caught up pretty quickly. Uh, last year when we had like the three month lockdown, um, there was quite a few quiet months around that too, because people were nervous. It was so uncertain. It was, we couldn't travel anywhere. Um, so it was very much local work. But I still got some incredible big shoots. And I guess the difference for me through these years as I was getting bigger clients, so greater budgets, um, bigger scope, and I wasn't relying on the you know two-hour shoot here, four-hour shoot there. So I was really thankful to be at a stage in my career that I was getting enough work, even though I wasn't working as much because of the lockdowns. Um, 
but yeah, as soon as yeah, restrictions lifted again last year, so I think it was October, um, I was in Byron Bay for a week with work and a lot of postponed work just jammed straight into that November, December period. Um, and this year is looking again, yeah, as busy as, as I'm trying to make it. Um, but yeah, I was in New York. That was just a personal trip, but it was amazing. Then I was in two weeks in Victoria working on shoots and I feel like travel is picking up. I'm getting inquiries, um, if there are a lot of interstate shoots and yet yeah, definitely international, I tentatively thinking of maybe August, September in Europe, just, um, both as a personal trip, but also as a work trip. Um, and really, I guess I'm, I'm happy and open to travel again. Now I feel quite like having traveled the last few months too, I feel quite confident and at ease with it. Um, so I would, I would love to, to do Europe again this year and to work as well there. So any, any um, people interested, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So before we wrap up, we're just going to do some sort of rapid fire questions, mm -hmm. just whatever kind of comes to mind. So I always start with the hardest first, which is which five words best describe you? Oh, I, I don't like talking about myself. So I find that really hard. Um, I would probably say, um, thoughtful, um, loyal, reliable, um, um, how many was that? considered um and people who know me really well <laughs> i'm quite sassy oh interesting <laughs> what's the best lesson you've learned um probably to trust your own intuition and your own style um i feel like my parents have you know my mum in particular have always been big on you know being true to who you are and who your own style is and not, I guess, um, dwelling too much on what other people think of you or, uh, doing that is different to you. So, um, yeah, just trusting your own self style and your own self, um, and being, being strong in that. Yeah. Great. What's your proudest achievement? Um, I think there's been a lot of little achievements that have felt really big for me just personally or in my career uh, working with Melissa on her book was definitely an amazing one um and just the work I've done with country styles particularly when Victoria Carey was editor um those first few features they were so that th th yeah they were really special moments um and and I think some of the photos and the work I've loved the most um are moments that were so unexpected like working with the cattle station in Queensland, some of the images I've taken there, I'm, I'm really proud of and, and love, um, because they're just so different. And so they came out of such challenging experiences. What's been one of your best decisions? Uh, so the first year I was living here and it was very slow and very hard. Uh, I was off to full time, very good nine to five job. And, um, my parents are like very, you know, carefully, but like, oh, Abby, maybe you should consider this and this would be good. And, and yeah, it was definitely a moment I knew if I decided to do that, 
photography would always be something on the side. And, um, but it was also very tempting. Like I, I, I wasn't getting much work and I was, um, doubting a lot myself, my, my work and my style. And I was like, if I just take this job, it's, it's reliability, it's structure, it's good. Um, but I turned it down and, and kept going, struggling for the next six months or 12 months. But that was the best decision I made to do that um, because it allowed me to push and to, to be challenged in good ways and then now get to this point where I'm, I'm working and, and it's a stable freelance job as much as that can be. No, great. Who inspires you? Um, probably as cliche as it is, it's my family. So my parents have um, raised me and my sisters in such an amazing way and given us such an incredible work ethic and, and life view. Um, so they're very inspiring to me and my sisters. Um, they're very close and I'm always seeing them, half them are mums with little children, but still, you know, creatively working in different pursuits. And um, they're, yeah, my, my greatest supporters and encouragement. And so I'm always inspired by, by them and talking to them. What, about, what are you passionate about besides photography? <laughs> oh, um, I love... I guess I, I love interacting with people. So I, I really feel passionate about rest times as well as work time. So trying to have a balance between my work and my professional work. And it's often quite loud and busy and on display at times. And so I really am passionate about switching off and having time for family, for friends, um, engaging with others and listening to their stories and, um, and that creeps back into them. Photography, um, capturing images that really share that story of people and, um, and allow others to see their life in a way that they feel it, but they might not see it in a visual sense. So, um, yeah, probably, probably that. That's beautiful. What dream do you still want to fulfill? Um, I'd love to do my own book one day. So write and photograph, um, something I'm not sure what yet. I it's sort of a vague idea, but it's definitely something I'd love to do. Um, and I have so many images that, um, I just stored and filed and, and even like writings. And I just feel like I'd love to compile them into a book and create something, but, um, just hasn't been the right time yet, but one day, one day that, and, and probably spend more time overseas. I'd love to do a bit of a sort of six months there, six months there here, sort of have a sort of a, a crossover. That'd be amazing. Um, this is not one of the rapid fire questions, but mm. do you enjoy writing? Cause you said, obviously when you started doing some of the work for country style, sometimes you would write the articles as well. Is mm. that something that you enjoy or some people find writing excruciating? I'm just kind of curious where you sit. No, I, I love writing. Um, I journal a lot just personally and I, yeah, I've always loved writing, but I've never, I guess, had a, a reason to share that. And so, um, that is something I'd definitely love to do more of. Um, yeah, if, if it presented itself. And I don't think you answered my question. So I am going to come back to this one oh. about, <laughs> cause you say in your book, and you, like it could obviously go one of many different directions, but I mean, is there, 
like a particular subject that you enjoy photographing mm. more than others or that has like a special place in your heart? I think because I, I asked you about three questions in one. So I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I feel like lately I've been realizing it's, it's the journey. So it's, it's either travel, like experiencing a place and photographing it. Um, when I was in New York, just, it was just for myself personally, but just capturing things and moments that meant something to me. And I think in terms of shoots, that would be stories. Like I've been working quite a bit crazy, her magazine, which is promoting women on the land in Australia. And, um, you know, I go out to their properties and you jump on the ute and you go around the farm and you see what they're working with and just capturing them in that moment, nothing staged. It's very raw. It's very real. And I, I love that work. I love those shoots. Um, and I've realized the last year I've learned more from, I do a lot of interior shooting, um, but I'm, I'm loving the stories I'm working on instead with magazines, um, editorial work. Um, so a bit more of that and a bit more of like branding, fashion, um, photography. Um, I'd love to do a bit more of that in, in terms of, um, experimenting with different styles and like RM Williams and country road have done beautiful campaigns lately. And, you know, they're out in the fields and they're out in the paddocks and that kind of imagery of, you know, they're selling a brand, they're selling you know clothing, but it's just done, done in such a beautiful way. Um, those sort of images I'd love to do more of too. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, I love all that too. You can get so excited about it, which is really nice. Mm. Um, so what about, what are you reading at the moment? What's on your books, books, uh, you know, bedside table? Yes. Um, I always have a, a bunch of books. Um, uh, I listen to books. I read books. I love, love reading. Um, one of light, not what's well, kind of light a book I'm reading with book club, actually. So we have a book club, um, is extremely loud and incredibly close. So, um, that's been fun. Um, and I'm also reading one by Anne Voskamp called Waymaker. So that's also good. Mm, interesting. And what about, what are you listening to? Do you listen to podcasts or music while you edit? Or Yes. A lot of podcasts. Um, I listened to one the other day on, uh, uh, process the podcast um and it was with the photographer um george and tony and he's an australian photographer he's done a lot of work with different brands and just his journey and his process and that was really fascinating i really enjoyed that one oh, i haven't heard of that one i'll have to check it mm. out um and what piece of advice would you give to your younger self um good things take time um it's a process. It really is a journey. I think, I mean, every element of life is a journey. And I think, um, what, not just observing people's lives and seeing as we all see the highlight reel, but understanding that there's a lot of hard work and a lot of, um, perseverance and determination to reach a spot, um, where you want to be. So it's, it's, it's going to take time, but that's okay because you, you learn through those moments the best. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, mm. thank you so much, Abby, for, oh, thank for joining me today. I've loved learning a bit more about your journey and your process. And thank you for sharing all your little insights as well. So, um, yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you, Natalie. It's been lovely. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint.